Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now, it's time! Hello and welcome to the One Man Team Podcast. I am Gabriel, your host, and I'm just... I'm back, obviously, here to talk about um, all things football, mainly about Arsenal. I know I haven't done an episode for uh, almost a year now, but I figured I would try and do this again and uh, see if I can keep this up weekly, even though um, I have commitment issues when it comes to the podcast. Uh, so hopefully we can do this. Um, today, the, th- the idea I came up with for today was to do a, uh, a review of Arsenal's pretty disastrous uh, season and hopefully hopefully shed some light, maybe a bit of uh, comedy too, because the season has been uh, comedy and tragedy for Arsenal. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not been, a, not been a great time to be an Arsenal fan, to be honest with you. So um, let's see if we can poke some fun as well as review uh, everything that's happened in a way that hopefully doesn't get me too annoyed uh, because you can, Arsenal can drive me up the wall most of the time. Um, it does it does annoy me from time to time when uh, they should be performing better, this group of players. But let's see. Let's see what we can come up with. We'll, uh, we'll start, I guess, right at the beginning of the season when uh, Arsenal first started the season coming off of the FA Cup win last year against Chelsea. And uh, they started the season with a community shield game against Liverpool. Uh beat them one beat them on penalties, uh five four, I believe it was, after a one all draw in the ninety minutes. And um they beat them on penalties, won the community shield, and of course, as Arsenal fans, we all went mad and said, Oh my god, what can this team do this season? They've done, you know, they've they've beaten Liverpool, who were the Premier League champions, even though it wasn't penalties. They've beaten them. So what can they do this season? And uh, as we know now, not a lot. So uh, beat them on penalties, signed a few players in the summer. Uh, Willie Ann signing. Everyone was fairly excited at the time. I know myself, I was a little bit sceptical because of his age and the contract length and everything like that but you know when players sign I figured we try we try and give them a chance you know just make them make them feel as welcome as possible and hopefully they can do a good job for the club obviously he started fairly well he uh he had a hat-trick of assists against Fulham on the opening day of the season as we know now Fulham have gone down so maybe that wasn't too impressive but he had a hat-trick of assists on the opening day and everyone thought, oh my good, what a, what a great signing, you know, free signing, what have Chelsea done? Have they actually given us a good player this time? Because our history of getting players from Chelsea is not great. And um, yeah, we were all excited. As we know now, uh, almost a, almost a uh, full season later, Willian has been a complete failure. Uh, he scored one goal in his whole time at the club, and that occurred last week or two weeks ago. I can't remember the exact day. It was against West Brom. Uh, it was a nice free kick, though, to be honest with you, but uh, way too late in the season. And I believe he's got seven assists this season, which uh, three of them came in the opening day. So that should tell you 
all you need to know about Willian and the signing. And um, it's been an infuriating one. It got to the point where fans didn't even want to see him come off the bench. And um, I know myself, when I saw him warming up and coming off the bench and everything, I would just sit there watching the TV and I'd just put my head in my hands. I'd be like, oh, I really don't want to see this guy come on. And uh, it always seemed to be the case. He always seemed to either start the game, um, which was more infuriating, or come off the bench. Um, he'd be the first option a lot of the times off the bench from Arteta. Um, I just I didn't know if he had some incriminating photos of him or anything like that. Uh, of course not. It's you know that's just a joke. But um, it got to the point where it was it was not it was not good. And, uh, and Willian was one of the high, high one of the highest earners at the club. And you think he should be performing better than he is. Um, and he he just yeah he just didn't and. It's a shame, really, because at Chelsea, he was he was a good player. I and mean, I know Chelsea fans said that he did have a tendency to drop in and out of games. And uh, I can see that now, after having watched a uh, lot of Arsenal games this season, uh, virtually virtually every single one. Uh, he, yeah, he has a tendency to be very anonymous during games. Um, as a player who was a, as an attacking player, he's very uh, he's not not very progressive. Here. A lot of his passes seem to go sideways or backwards, instead of uh, going forwards and looking for, you know, looking for players in the box or looking to take players on. His pace seemed to completely desert him this season as well. I know I know he's an aging player, thirty two, thirty three years old now, and um, yeah, it just it just has not gone well for Willian. Uh, which is a shame, really, because a, a free transfer like that, you'd think maybe, you know, you'd think it's a win-win. But even as a free transfer, I think Chelsea still mugged us off. I uh, feel like we've been, <laughs> feel like we got swindled, even though they didn't pay a fee for him. So, yeah, not a great signing overall. We had uh, Gabriel signed uh, from Lille. I thought at the start of the season, he got he got three player, player of the months in a row voted by the fans. Um, I thought he was our best defender. Still think he's been our best defender this season, almost consistent. Uh, obviously, David Luiz has been in and out of the team with injury. Probably, probably David Luiz has been our has been overall the best defender. But in terms of consistency and being able to play and everything, I think Gabriel edges him. Yeah, Gabriel had a good start. Um, you know, he was he looked assured, he looked confident, and then I think the Arsenal teachings and Arsenal way crept into him and he started being a bit more complacent um, but I still think overall been our best centre-back uh, when you look at the other centre-backs we have I mean Pablo Mari quite poor this season I think obviously he looks just like a squad player don't think he should be starting every week and um, Rob Holding I'm not a massive fan of Rob Holding I, I can't lie I, I don't rate him as a player I don't rate him as a defender I don't think he's a very good defender. I, I think he, I think he, he, he shows quite. A, he shows quite a lot of passion. To be fair to him, he shows passion to the club, and he shows he wants to be at the club. I just don't think he's good enough. That's all. It's just he's just not, not at a level to be an Arsenal defender. I don't think. And um, I and when I see him, when I see him captaining the side, I, I cringe. I, I think. Of all the captains we've had over the years, you know, your Patrick Vieira, your Tony Adams, Thierry Henry, 
even players like Fabregas and, and Van Persie, they might not have been the best the best leaders, but they brought something to the team that showed them that showed everyone else what to do. So they were perhaps the best player at the club at the time. So for instance, Van Persie when he was captain had that season where he scored thirty goals. Fabregas when he was captain was one of our youngest players to be captain and you know was uh, was a top top player and still can do it now but uh, you know they all had reasons to be captain like nowadays when i see the likes of Hector Bellerin and Rob Holding being captain i, I think are they only captain because they are there they've been there the longest or you know it's like it shouldn't be who's been there the longest who's captain it should be who can display leadership qualities and who can who can show something, you know, who can lead by example. Those those should be captain. It could be someone who's been at the club for five minutes or it could be someone who's been at the club for a year or, you know, it can be five years, ten years, whatever. Whoever's been at the club, um, you know, whoever is captain needs to, needs to just show some leadership qualities and needs to have a justifiable reason to be captain, not just because they've been there the longest. That's... That's my only qualm. Um, who else did we sign? We signed Thomas Partey, who I was very excited about signing. Um, I even won a bet with a friend about that signing. I said, um, I bet you we will sign Thomas Partey before the end of the summer. He said, no, 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 we won't. We won't. We'll be priced out of the move and everything. And then we, and then he rocked up and uh, we did sign him. So uh, I was £5 richer from my friend. So, um yeah, I think we were all quite excited about that signing, and he's shown in flashes what he can do. He's, he's much more of a, most of the time, he's a, generally a calming influence in the midfield. I think he works best alongside uh, Granite Xhaka, who is also fairly calming in the midfield. He also did strike up a mini partnership with Ceballos for a couple of games, but that didn't, that died a death really when Danny Ceballos became Danny Ceballos again. And, um, yeah, I think it's just he's just had an injury hit season, really. I think hopefully next season when he's uh, fully fit and hopefully hasn't had injuries, has a pre-season with the team, he can show exactly what we signed him for and what he can do. I think if you get him a proper midfield partner, he will, you know, he will become one of Arsenal's best players. And, um, you know, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully we can sign someone good to partner him alongside um, the, in the midfield or, you know, hopefully if, if Granit Xhaka stays, hopefully we can just play him in midfield instead of at left back, which is what we've been doing for a lot of the season. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Runison. I think we all know. <laughs> I think every Arsenal fan knows how bad Runison has been this season uh, in his li very limited playing time. So bad, in fact, that we had to sign a, another keeper in January, Matt Ryan from Brighton on loan. I think we're now trying to sign permanently. Uh, but yeah, Rune Runison was terrible, terrible. I mean, he looked in his first two games in the Europa League, he looked somewhat assured and he, I think he believe he kept a clean sheet in both of those games. And uh, yeah, we all thought, oh, is he going to push Leno? When Martinez left in the summer, we were all a bit, you know, I think we th we knew that Martinez was going to leave because he wasn't going to get first choice. And fair enough, you know, keepers there's only one position on the team for them, so they need to they need to find first team football wherever they can get it. So, 
fair play to Martinez. He stayed at the club for a long time, had a few, quite a few good games at the end of last season. And I think it was overall the right choice to let him leave, even though he's had a really good season at Aston Villa. Uh, but then signing Runison as a backup was an absolute disaster. And uh, he had a shocking game against Manchester City. I believe he let the ball in through his hands against Riyad Mahrez from free kick, which obviously is a cardinal sin for uh, for goalkeepers. So, uh, yeah, so bad we had to sign another keeper in January. Uh, Matt Ryan, who had very limited playing time, but looks okay. Looks okay. He's he's going to be a backup. What, what more can I say? Uh, if he signs a permanent contract, he will be a backup to Leno or... If Leno leaves and we get another keeper in, he will be a backup to him. It's uh, yeah, that's that'll be the life of Matt Ryan at Arsenal. Odegaard coming in in January on loan, he looked very good. I've got to say, I was quite excited about that signing. He um, obviously a uh, uh, wonder kid, you um, know, former what well, former wonder kid now sort of trying to establish himself in proper football, uh, not just youth football. And um, yeah, he's looked good. He uh, scored. They uh, scored a few goals. I believe he scored in the North London derby as well, if I'm not mistaken, which obviously endeared him to Arsenal fans quite a lot. And uh, yeah, he's. Um, I think he's done. I think he's done quite well in his time. He's gone off the boil a bit recently because I think he's come back from injury, and he hasn't been sort of the same player. But he, uh, yeah, I think overall uh, pretty good. Whether we should sign him permanently or not is another issue. Uh, we see how much he will cost, and if Real Madrid actually want to sell him, and uh, I think if it's if it's a good deal, I think we should go for it because um, at the start of the season we were lacking so much creativity, and uh, we were just relying on uh, Bukayo Saka, who is nineteen years old, and you can't always rely on a nineteen year old, even though he is really good. Uh, with that, uh, the emergence of Smith Rowe came along as well, so. We were not just relying on a 19-year-old, we were also relying on a 20-year-old as well. So um, it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, not a great situation for Arsenal when you have to get two, basically two teenagers to dig yourself out of a hole of, um, you know, what Arsenal got themselves in a lot of the time. You know, they, they, it was always give the ball to Smith-Rowe or give the ball to Saka and then hopefully they can do something. You know, it's it's... Not a sustainable way for a Premier League football club or most football clubs. Not a sustainable way for them to to keep going or for them to for them to try and try and do something in the league. You know, it, it's you have to have eleven players doing it, not just two. And um, yeah, that's what we had for the majority of the season. In terms of the players who left, uh, we had a lot of players leave on loan. We also had we also cut a lot of players out. Uh, Meza Ozil, the big one, I guess, in January, left to go to Fenerbahce in Turkey. I think that one was on the cards, really. They hadn't played him for basically a year, and um, it was getting embarrassing, and it was getting very, it was getting very tense between the the player and the club, and uh, every manager seemed to marginalise him after Wenger. So Emery. Marginalized him, and Jumberg pretty much marginalized him. Arteta ended up marginalizing him as well, and it's just a a pretty sad end for a player who who loved the club and who was a good servant. But I think it was I think it was the right choice to get rid of him. It's 
you know, if you you've got a player on that much money a week and you're not playing him, there is no point keeping him. No point. It's it's just it just got very sour and very bitter, and uh, you know, it was it was not a good situation. They said, yeah, he's still training and whatever, but you don't name him in the Premier League squad, but you still allow him to train with the first team. What's the point? It's um, it's pointless. You know, you didn't name him in the squad. There, There's no point keeping him. You didn't name him in the Europa League squad either. So it was, uh, it was, it was a sad situation, a sad end for a player who, to be fair, has given a fair amount to Arsenal. He, you know, helped to win the FA Cup in 2014, in 2015 and in 2017. He helped to win three FA Cups and uh, the Community Shields as well. Also helped us to get close to league titles a couple of times. Um, obviously didn't win them, but get close there. And uh, also gave us quite a few quite a few nice moments, you know. He, uh, his goal against Ludogorets still stands out. That was uh, fantastic, where he sent where he sent two players to the ground and also uh, the keeper as well. So that was a fantastic goal. But I think overall it was the right choice to let him leave. It was not not good at the end. Um, yeah, Squadron Mustafi leaving as well. Can't quite believe how we how Arsenal paid thirty five million pound for this guy. He was an absolute shambles, an absolute shambles, and one of the, probably one of the worst defenders we've had. He started well, I believe. He had uh, a run where he was unbeaten when he, uh, Arsenal were unbeaten when he was playing I think it was 20 games in a row or 22 games something like that but then afterwards it was just shocking and uh, he was was not, not a good defender not a good defender and finally finally they allowed him to leave and, or told him to leave basically he went to Schalke who obviously have gone down from the Bundesliga Sead Kolasinac um, was left on loan he uh he left on loan in January and uh, went to Schalke as well. And uh, that was a stupid short-sighted decision because it left us with no backup left-back. And uh, Kieran Tierney, being Kieran Tierney, who's obviously one of our better players, uh, unfortunately, he's quite injury-prone. So when he got injured, we had to play... Well, we didn't have to play, but Arteta did end up playing Shaka at left-back, which is not his natural position. And uh, he was exposed struggled at times and uh, it wasn't good so you know letting a le letting a left back go and not signing a backup left back very short-sighted decision from Arteta and Arsenal and that came back to bite us in the end and uh, not good William Saliba another odd one leaving him out on loan I mean I don't know you, you signed the guy for 30 million pounds one of the best prospects in Europe and then you decide after a couple of games in the preseason oh he's not good enough and then uh, he's to go out on loan again. It's like, well, he's 19 years old. You need to give him time to develop. You don't play him straight away, but you, you keep him at the club, you know, make him familiar with the surroundings, make him familiar with the players. Um, you can play him in cup games, you know, play him in the FA Cup, play him in the, uh, the Carabao Cup, maybe play him in some Europa League games, you know, give him the old Premier League experience here and there. You can't tell me that he would be worse than some of the defenders we've had this season. You cannot tell me he'd be be worse than Mari or worse than Holding because 
that's I don't think that's the case in France he's done fairly well at Nice and um you know he, he had some good defensive stats and everything like that but you cannot tell me he'd be worse than some of the defending we've done this season. And, you know, talking about the defending, we oddly have, I believe, the uh, third best defensive record in terms of goals conceded in the Premier League. So it's not been all bad. But obviously you couple that with the fact that we forgot how to play football for two months and couldn't attack, couldn't create anything. It, it was like it wasn't good. And, um, you know... And, it's just it's just a bit of a weird one. Joe Willock as well leaving on loan was a bit strange. It's I know I know I at the first part of the season I know he didn't really make an impact and I know a lot of people don't really rate Joe Willock. I myself I include myself in that one, but since he went out on loan to Newcastle, it's like a whole different player. He scored six goals I believe and he scored five goals in five in five in five consecutive games, which is. Uh, one of the youngest players to do that since um, Jose Antonio Reyes. So that's, uh, you know, that's quite a steam company to be in. Jose Antonio Reyes obviously was was a great player um, and he had a, a good couple of years at Arsenal. And uh, he was very, um, yeah, obviously, obviously died a couple of years ago in a car crash. But, um, you know, it's, he, that's quite, quite high company to be in, you know, five in five is it's no mean feat. You have to you have to be there to score the goals. Um again, it was again, now you see how Joe Willock's playing and, and you look at some of the midfielders we still have at the club. Instead of Joe Willock, you Danny Ceballos and and El Nenny who it's just uh, I can't believe I'm still talking about having El Nenny in the squad in twenty twenty one. Uh, nothing against the guy. I'm sure he's very nice and he comes across great as well. But having him in the squad is and as playing playing regularly is is just not. It's just not the caliber of players that we need to to get us out of this position that we're in. And uh, you hope that maybe he gets moved on in the summer because it's just not. I know he wants to play for the club. I know he likes playing for the club. But again, like holding, he's just not good enough. Just not good enough, and and it needs to needs to change. And Danny Sabios as well had some shocking performances, getting sent off in the semi final against Villarreal, which um, ultimately didn't cost us because ultimately we weren't good enough anyway, and um, we went out of that competition. But him getting sent off and having stupid moments like his terrible back pass against Benfica and and having silly moments where he just goes missing and um, moments where he, I know he shows a lot of passion when Arsenal score, but you can't just get by on, you can't just get by on passion and pumping your fists and pointing at where people should go and everything like that. You, you can't just get by on that. You need to be a good player. And, and he said he sees his future at Real Madrid. Not sure Real Madrid see it that way. I mean, he wouldn't have been sent out on loan for two years if Madrid rated him, to be honest with you. And whenever whenever Madrid sends you out on loan, it means they probably don't rate you. Unless you're like a really, really young player, it means they probably don't want to play you. They're just looking for a way to try and get you first-team experience. And hopefully you, you come back as a better player, maybe. But if you don't, they'll just sell you on. So we'll see what happens with that. Um... What else have we got? Uh, we had we had uh, an indifferent Aubameyang over the season. Obviously, he signed a new mega contract. 
that I believe everyone wanted him to sign, myself included. We all wanted him to stay after his heroics in the FA Cup last season, scoring two against Man City in the semis, scoring two against Chelsea in the final. Um, but it was it was just, it, I don't know what happened. He signed the contract and then it seemed to go off the boil, obviously, with our lack of creativity. He couldn't thrive up front and uh, had was was basically had crumbs to deal with up front also had some uh, some personal issues uh, i believe his mother was ill which obviously wasn't wasn't very good and obviously would play on your mind and and it's you know football pales in significance to um uh you know family issues and family matters like that so obviously that and then him having malaria after coming back from uh, international duty with Gabon, was uh, a weird one as well. That was a, a strange one, but you know, obviously dealing with that, it was it's not going to be good and and everything everything like that. Uh, he has he has played well in patches though. You know, he's still threatening and still scores and assists and does help the team out. I think playing him on the wing still not very good. Uh, you want to see him through the middle. You know, you want to see him getting on the end of getting on the end of crosses, getting on the end of getting on the end of like through balls and and balls over the top. You want to, you want to see him getting on the end of those and running in and terrifying people with his pace. And when he played against Villarreal in the semi final second leg, which was a shocking game of football, by the way, which finished nil nil. Uh, he was our most threatening player, hit the post twice, and uh, his last contribution was hitting the post the second time, after which he was subbed off. And um, that was a, another strange decision by Arteta, which obviously I'm going to talk about some of Arteta's strange tactics and decisions later on. But that one, when you need one goal, you need one goal to go through, and you take off the guy who is our most threatening goal scorer, who's our best goal scorer, and who hit the post twice, with 10 minutes left, it is ridiculous. And I do not understand that decision. But yeah, hopefully hopefully it's just a temporary blip over. Next season he can come back fresh. I know he's ageing as well. I know he's going to turn 32 next season. And that's obviously getting towards sort of when players start declining, uh, usually. Uh, but hopefully he can roll back the year somewhat and still be effective for us. Obviously club captain and everything like that. You have Arteta, uh, as I said, alluded to just a couple of moments ago, Arteta and his strange, strange decisions. I mean, some of the some of the decisions he's made this year, playing Shaka at left back instead of Saka when Tierney was injured, or you know, not playing Cedric at left back instead of Shaka. Any number of people instead of Shaka really at left back would have been good. Chambers, Bellerin, I know they're right backs, but they can do a job there. Um, you know, uh, in the semi-final first leg against Villarreal, starting with no striker, no recognised striker, you know, a system that we hadn't played all year, a false nine system that we hadn't played all year. Um, you start that in the semi-final in the first leg against uh, Villarreal in the Europa League when you're trying to get to a final. It's silly, just naive and maybe uh, inexperienced and... And whatever, but I mean, if even inexperienced managers just go with what you know, you know, there's now's in the semi final of in a first leg semi final of a European competition, it's not the time to be experimenting with formations and and you know, personnel and things like that. And 
that back four he played against against Villarreal in that first leg was shambolic. You know, Bellerin, who I think his time might be up at the club. I think it's uh, playing him, holding Mari and Shaka was, I mean, holding and Mari looked shocking. They looked shocking together against Villarreal. And then they played the exact same team the week after. Obviously, Shaka got injured in the warm-up, so Tierney had to come in after weeks out. But it wasn't good. And, um, yeah, and uh, Arteta's made some strange, strange decisions this season. Taking off Aubameyang at the end of that Villarreal second leg, uh, not good. My uh, almost threatening player, always putting Willian on, despite his ineffectiveness. Uh, always, you know, sticking with players who are just not good enough, and keeping hold of players who are, you know, keeping players who are like, like I said, they're just not good enough, and they just shouldn't be playing. I know, I know, he hasn't had full-on transfer windows. I know he's had, he's had one real one real transfer window, one summer one to, to try and get players in. And you can't do a lot in one summer, but it some of the, the loyalty to some of the players is is shouldn't it loyalty is good to a point in management, but you need to also be ruthless and you need to see that players are not good enough. So you need to you need to play the best available. You need not just players who maybe train well or whatever like that, because some players don't train well. Player, some players save all their energy to try and play in the game. Some players don't train well. If you train well, obviously that's great. But if if you don't, then you shouldn't be. It shouldn't be held against you. You know, some players want to save their energy for the games and things like that. And you should play the best players available, not just who trains well. You should play the best, the best. If you've got them available, play them. Um, some of his decisions, and he still quite an inexperienced manager and you can see that some of his decisions um, are very naive and some of them uh, are strange and I think he's trying to do what Guardiola's doing at City but without the personnel that City have City can afford to put people, they can afford to put square pegs in round holes because because it's, it's Guardiola and it's City and they'd just be happy to play with their rotation policy and with the amount of players Players can take your spot in City. They, you know, any player could take your spot in City. Uh, they've got Zinchenko playing at left back, who used to be a midfielder. But you can afford to do that at City because people, because people know about Guardiola. They respect him. Obviously, they want him. They want to play for him. So they will play wherever. They'll be willing to play wherever, wherever he puts them. At, at Arsenal with Arteta, he hasn't got that respect yet because obviously he hasn't. You know, he's won FA Cup, he's won a community shield, sure, but he's not experienced and this is his first managerial job. So people are gonna be, I believe, you know, just psychologically, I think they'll be less inclined to want to go into positions that they haven't played in before. And I think he needs to recognise that and also recognise that our players are not as good as City's players. So it's just a case of it's just a case of at the moment, playing people where they want to play because you'll get the best out of them then. You'll get the best, you know, maybe further down the line if he establishes himself as a good coach and, you know, people start respecting him more, maybe he can ask people, you know, go and play over there or, you know, go and fill in over there for now because that's what we need and people will be more inclined to do it. But I think at this stage of his managerial career, it's just not possible. 
and um you know he he talks about the non-negotiables and being tough and everything like that but but then some of the people he constantly plays you know just not good enough El Nenny not good enough Willian not good enough Holding not good enough and you know Bellerin as well not good enough it's just uh it's just people it's just he he just fails to recognize recognize what's uh you know fails to recognize what's needed at times and you know I don't know what's happened with some of the players like Pepe he's yes he's playing him a bit more now but at times this season he's looked like he doesn't want to play him or he doesn't get on with him doesn't want to play him at all Martinelli I don't know what's happened I, I really don't know you know he says oh yeah Martinelli should be playing more and everything like that but then he doesn't play him he puts Willian on instead and he different players uh and you know he, he's sticking with people like Enketia coming on and and things like that and it's it's just I don't know, like, I don't know what's happened. He talks about, and he talks about Reese Nelson saying, oh, you know, it's my fault, he's not playing. So so you can change that. You have the ability to change that. You are the head coach slash manager of the team. You have the ability to play Reese Nelson. You have the ability to play Martinelli, to play Pepe, to play players like that. And when you don't and we fail, inevitably the selection of the team comes down to him and inevitably the fans will get on his back. And justifiably so. I mean, I mean, you need to, you need to, as a coach, I think you have an obligation to play your best players. You know, no matter what the situation may be, you have an obligation to play your best players to give yourself the best chance of getting results. You know, yes, you can have your pride and maybe you've had arguments with certain players in the past that you don't want to play them. But, you know, at some point you need to just, I know it's a hard thing to do for humans because you want to stick by your guns and you want to show them that you're boss and everything like that. But you need to you need to swallow your pride sometimes um, and and just play the best team available, play the best players, give yourself a chance. Because at the end of the day, managers uh, at the at the yeah, at the end of the day, managers are not are not um, they're not judged on you know, their pride, they're not judged on, you know, if they show people their boss, they're judged on results. So to give yourself the best possible chance of a result, you need to play the best players available. You need to play them week in, week out. Um, and you need to, you need to sometimes swallow your pride. It's, it's a, just a thing in life, you know, <laughs> so like you can be the proudest person, proudest person going, you can be, you know, you can, you can be the you know you can be your own man you can be the boss but it, you just need you just need to sometimes you need to stay take a step back and say what's the best what's going to give us the best chance of winning if it's playing a player who you don't get on with so be it you know if they're talented and they win you the game what's what's the um what's the point of making them miss out it it doesn't make sense to me uh, we had other things as well this season. I mean, it's been a been a really roller coaster of a season. It's been a tiring season to be an Arsenal fan as well. You know, I've seen not fans not really allowed in games apart from a couple of weeks back in November and December. Uh, now they're being allowed in now, but obviously the season's got two games left. Uh, it's been a weird one, and then Arsenal trying to join the horrific idea of the Super League, which lasted. It was such a good idea that it lasted for two days, um, and then 
and then <laughs> all of them backed out. So I think it was on a su- on a Sunday a few weeks back. Arsenal announced we're going to be in the Super League, and you know we're we're joining uh, eleven other teams to to be in a league where we can't get relegated and people can't come in and and it was basically a basically a mean girls you can't sit with us situation and um the fact that arsenal was so arrogant that they thought they thought that they deserved to be in the super league was was a joke when we haven't even got champions league football since 2016 i think that was the last time we got uh I think that was the last time we were in the Champions League 2016 I believe um and yeah it was it was handled badly handled really badly by the club and the owners who obviously we'll have to talk about them soon as well but yeah it was it was just a horrendous situation and it ended up backing down backing down two days later on a Tuesday night you know heading home with their tail between their legs and basically writing a groveling groveling apology to Arsenal fans saying we're sorry we misjudged everything basically and uh, I can't believe they thought they would get away with it you know is you you know you've football has been virtually the same since it started you know you had rules tweaks and and development of the game and everything like that but as a core game it hasn't changed for hundreds and hundreds of years and when you try and in one fell swoop try and change it into something it's not you know with no relegation no no earning of european spots and just trying to just trying to be greedy and get loads of money more money than you've got already i mean they're acting like they were poor the owners you know oh oh my goodness oh you know we've only got two billion pounds or however much we've got you know as our as our net worth we need more we need more and we need to make it you know we need to we need to make a super league and and it was just ridiculous and the fact that they thought that people would just go along with it was just was just very naive and and not and not well judged at all, you know, and and also the, the that they did it during the during the pandemic, which is still going on, and there's no fans there to oppose it. They thought, oh, you know, no one's going to be here to oppose us. We'll just do whatever we want. Obviously, everyone went out and protested. Uh, you know, if people protested like that against for real issues rather than just football, then maybe we'd get somewhere as a country. Maybe we'd get somewhere in the world. But you know, I digress. It's neither here nor there. I can't. I can't really speak for for people like that. But it united football fans in such a way that. I've not seen for a long time, you know, football fans usually are, are taking the piss out of each other online or they're, they're, you know, they're, they're baiting each other when it comes to their team's performance and, you know, things like that. But this one united them in such a way that I've not seen in my lifetime, at least I've not seen people that united against one thing and it rattled the owners and, and rattled them so much that they had to, they had to they had to pull out they had to they had to issue groveling apologies and they had to they had to say sorry to everyone and and you know we've got it wrong and we misjudged it it's like you didn't misjudge it you just didn't think that people would you just didn't think that people would oppose it that much you know you just didn't i mean maybe you're right. sorry that is misjudging but like but they didn't misjudge it in that way i think they knew what the reaction was going to be 
it's just that they thought, oh, you know, no one's allowed out anyway and no one's going to, no one's allowed to the stadium, no one's going to do anything. But everyone protested it and um, yeah, in the end they had to scrap it. And that leads me into the Cronky ownership, which, I mean, my stance, I don't, I don't like Cronky, don't like him at all. And, uh, you know, Silent Stan and Jerky Josh and, um, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're just, I, I, I can't really describe them. They're just not, they're not good owners. They're not, and they don't engage with fans. They don't want to engage with fans. And they're very much just see Arsenal as a cash cow. I know, I know I'm not, look, I'm not 10 years old. I'm not, I know that, I know that football is a business and I know that clubs are there for rich owners to sort of make more money. Um, they they prey on the fact that people have been following these clubs for decades and people have been following the clubs for years and that they're not going to change because they're, you know, myself, I'm not going to change. I've been an Arsenal fan since I can remember when I was when I was a kid. You know, I think my earliest memories of Arsenal were when I was about five, six years old, you know, and like, I, you know, I'm not going to change now. Uh, I'm, I've been following them for over 20 years now, so... I'm not going to change now and I can't change because it's ingrained in me and they and owners know that and they will they will follow they will they will you know they will make sure that people want to follow the club they will make sure that you know they like they I mean it showed it showed without without the fans it showed that they can still carry on and play the games and everything like that so they're not really concerned about fans and they're not really concerned about fans opinions I mean we knew that anyway but we know that even more now and with the Super League debacle and everything like that we know that they don't care about our opinions we know that they're not fussed if we were to protest or not come to we know they're not so um, you know, and everyone's talking about boycotting, buying the new kits and everything like that. It's like, yeah, sure, fine, do that. But, you know, people are still going to buy them. Not everyone's going to do that. People are still going to buy them, probably myself included. I can't lie. The new kit looks great. But, like, but, you know, it's it's not a, not a case of, it's not a case of, um, they should be better. Owners should be better. You know, they're... They have a, a responsibility to the club. You know, if they want the club to be successful, then they should also want to try and keep the fans happy. You know, it, it's not it's not hard to engage with people. It really isn't. It shouldn't be hard to engage with people who are, you know, the lifeblood of the club. You know, they've been following the club. They were they were following the club since some of them have been following the club probably before Josh Cronkey was born. You know, it's it's uh you know, it, it's, you should try and keep them on side. I don't know why uh, owners have such contempt for their fans or seem to have such contempt for their fans and seem to just dismiss them. You know, it, without without people there to support the club, the club is nothing. It's, it's you know, it's, it'll just be a, just be a soulless place where soulless people go on, on Saturday when we're allowed back or Sunday, whenever it is, it'll just be a soulless place with people who, I mean, Arsenal already, since they moved to the Emirates, has become quite soulless anyway. You know, I think at, at Highbury, it was a bit more 
you know, a bit, a bit more like raucous and a bit more, you know, I know, I know they used to call it the Highbury Library, but it, it was a bit more, there was a bit more passion. When you go to the Emirates now, it's just soulless and people are, you know, people want to, people are sitting there having free course meals. I mean, that's not my idea of football. Like, I mean, I know people, each their own, people can do what they want, but my idea of football is just going there, you know, going there with your friends or going there maybe with your family and, you know, having a good time at the game, watching the game, shouting for 90 minutes and then going home and reflecting on what the result is, you know, whether it's a, a loss, a wind draw, whatever it is, you know, but then I mean, you've got people going there for like free course meals now and it's like, it's, I just, I don't understand it. And it's the whole, the whole thing with monetization, monetization in football is getting like way out of control for like, for instance, me and a couple of friends have tickets to a game at the Euros, uh, England versus Czech Republic at Wembley. And we're waiting to see if we'll be allowed to go uh, because obviously they're going to allow, I think it's 22 and a half thousand fans in the, uh, in the stadium, which, are, which is about 25% capacity and um the yeah and we're just waiting to see if we can if we're allowed to go and i know i've seen stories of uefa cancelling uh, ordinary people's tickets um and saying oh you know why don't you get one of our hospitality packages in a in a box that costs about 1500 pounds and it's like well no i mean it's bad enough that our tickets our normal tickets i think they cost about 100 pounds each but i'm happy I'm happy as a football fan. I, you know, I love football. I, I've always loved football and I always will love football. But as a football fan, paying £100 is a bit steep still. But, but you know, that's that's something I can I can accept. You know, I can I can I can swallow that and I can say, yeah, I can I can pay £100 to go and watch a game of football sometimes. You know, it's not like not ideal. I'd like ideally like it to be under 50 <laughs> you know, but, um, hundred pounds, fine. You know, it doesn't happen a lot, you know, euros it's happening all throughout Europe this summer and some games are at Wembley. So I'm, I'm happy to do that. But then when you're canceling ordinary people's, um, tickets to then to tell them to, to pay 1500 pounds for a box is, is, is a bit rich, you know, it's like, so what kind of, so it's, it's just, it just comes down to what kind of people do you want at games? You know, do you want people, you you just want people you just want rich people at games you know because football football was uh is quite a you know at its core it's quite a poor sport you know it's because you don't need a lot of equipment to to play football you just need a football and some trainers and maybe jumpers as goalposts you know and and your mates that's all you need you don't so the football maybe cost about 10 to 20 pounds and then you know, a pair of trainers, you don't even have to wear football boots really to play football. You can wear any trainers you want. You know, you know, you could wear a you could wear a pair of ten pound trainers and you could so the overall cost of starting to play football literally could cost between it could cost between ten pounds and, and thirty pounds, you know, to start off playing football and that could drive a lifelong passion. But you're telling when you're telling fans Oh, we're going to cancel your tickets, but don't worry, you can still go. You just have to spend fifteen hundred pounds on a box. You know, it's like what kind of people do you want to attract to football? Then do you just want corporate sponsors? Do you just want, do you just want, you know, high end, high upper class people, or do you want everyone to come? You know, why why wouldn't you want you know a sport that 
is the most popular sport on earth. Why wouldn't you want people to come and watch it? Why wouldn't you want more people to come and watch it? You know, why wouldn't you make it accessible for younger people? Why wouldn't you make it accessible for people who don't have such high income? It's not, it's not a way, it's not a way to, to treat people and it's not a way to treat fans, especially during, you know, these kind of times when you're desperate to get fans back. You know, been saying for the last year, oh, we need, we really need fans back. It'll be great when they come back. And then as soon as they're allowed to come back, you start pricing them out again. It's like, what's the point? What's the point? But I think that's a topic for another video. I'm just, I'm getting off my, my topic here. Um, yeah, with Arsenal, it's just, uh, you know, a failure in every competition, really, this season, the Premier League. I believe at the time I'm recording this, which is a Wednesday morning, uh, I think we're in 10th. Not certain. I think it's 10th. I think I saw that last night. Um, I should have really, should have really checked again, but uh, yeah. Not good in a good season in the Premier League. Europa League obviously knocked out in the semi-final stage to Villarreal, which uh, was a gut-wrenching gut loss. Uh, probably good anyway. We probably would have got spanked in the final by Man United. So at least we weren't embarrassed in another final because we didn't even get there. So, you know, and then woeful, woeful defence of the FA Cup, which ended against Southampton, uh, who got to the semi-finals before they were knocked out by eventual FA Cup winners Leicester? Who and congrats to them as well, by the way. Uh, always love to see Chelsea lose in a final, so that was uh, so that was fun. Um, and then yeah, I mean obviously Carabao Cup. Who cares? You know, I mean we lost we lost to Man City. Yep, you know, whatever. Uh, that competition only only Tottenham want to win that competition, so you know it's. Uh, yeah, not a great competition, but um, yeah, just this season has been a real drain. It has been quite a draining experience as an Arsenal fan and uh, hasn't been a good one. And you really, you really hope that next season will be better. I mean, we'll, we'll see what we do in the transfer window and everything like that. And hopefully we can bring in some good players. But if we don't even have European football, which I don't think we will get now. If we don't even have that, then what kind of, what caliber of players are you going to attract? You know, maybe maybe it'll be maybe it'll do them do them a world of good. You know, maybe they can attract some players who actually want to play for the club, or players who are uh, maybe not necessarily like the the high end high end players, but they'll show commitment and their technique and, and everything like that like you want to sign players under the radar like we used to sign players who were really good but under the radar Santi Cazola was one you know he came I believe he came for about 12 million pounds 15 million pounds um which you know everyone at the time was saying oh you know who's this guy but then obviously he became one of our best players and then you know that same window I think we signed Podolski and I think we signed Giroud and um and you know it's it's about getting players in who are not necessarily like household names but you know they can do the job and they'll do the job effectively and well and that's what you want and um you want committed players not just you know obviously we'd all want to splash however many millions on a on a great player but it's uh you know without without the team around him you know you have to build the core team and you have to build you know, you have to have a couple of star players, and then and then everyone else has to sort of follow. That's how sports are. That's how sports. How sport is. It's um, you know, the you have a couple of like really really high end top players, and then everyone else is sort of 
average to above average. It's just how it is, and that's what you need for next season. Um, should Arteta stay? Uh, I think he will be given time, a little bit of time next season, probably um, up until January, I would say. If he's not doing well by then, maybe it will be time to make a change. Uh, but the problem is, who do you get in? If Art- if not Arteta, then who? It's, uh, you know, there's not an abundance of great managers, just like there's not an abundance of great players. It, you have to deal with what you've got and you have to see what the options are. But I would stick with him for a little bit. I know it's been a, a bad season and I know it's been a bit of a shocking season, but I think he's sort of, with the FA Cup win and all the problems and everything that I see, he's sort of earned a little bit of respite. I'm not saying a huge amount because obviously we need to start winning games more regularly. And, you know, I think it's 13 losses in the Premier League. That's not good enough. That is, um, you know, we've lost some games this season, which you look at it and you're like, how and why? You know, losing 3-0 to Aston Villa at home, losing to Burnley at home, losing to losing to Everton home and away and, and losing to... You know, losing to Man City constantly, losing to Liverpool home and away. You, you know, not good. You know, we've done. I think we've done. We did the double over Sheffield United. Wow, you know, we we did the double over Chelsea, which was a weird one. That was strange. We have we've been unbeaten against Man United, which was strange as well. Um, but you know, we we lost to. I think we yeah we we drew to Fulham at home. Not good enough. I think we drew to Wolves or we lost to Wolves. I can't remember. It was a while ago. Uh, that was not good enough. And um, there was a, there was a period of the season where we forgot how to play football for two months as well, which was not good. And uh, obviously something that needs to be rectified for next season. And um, yeah, hopefully Arteta can change that and hopefully he can do a good job to try and turn it around and everything like that. But you just you just don't know. You just don't know. And with this group of players, some of them, are, quite a lot of them are not good enough. Shouldn't be there. We should be building really around Saka, Smith-Rowe, Aubameyang and, and um, Partey, Gabriel, Tierney. We should be building around these players, especially Gabriel, Tierney, Saka, Smith-Rowe. Um, we should be building around them a lot because they are young players and they are players who are going to be around the club for a number of years, hopefully, you know, unless we unless they get sold on. But they should be players who are around the club for a number of years. Martinelli, you know, and, and uh, players like that, young players. We should be... Our youth academy is quite good as well now, so we should be dipping into there more. You know, they've just signed Balogun to a new contract and they should be giving him more game time. Uh, he should be playing above Inketia, who I think should be sold in the summer. So he should be getting his chance. And, you know, Miguel Aziz, who's looking quite good. Lopez at left back is looking quite good as well. You know, so just getting in and then getting in the right caliber of player. You want to get, I think we've, we should try and follow the Ajax model, which is, you know, they get some players in, but they also rely on the youth academy and then bring them through because, you know, they showed a couple of years ago, obviously they have slightly better coaching and their club's in a slightly better place than we are. Probably not slightly, probably a lot better place than we are. But they showed a few years ago, getting to the Champions League semi-final, and they got within a whisker of the final 
with a, a squad that had an average age of about, I think it was 23 or something like that, 23, 24. And their captain was a 19-year-old, you know, an 18, 19-year-old in the lit. And they had Frankie de Jong and they had all these other players. And then since then, they've just churned out more players, um, younger players who are still coming through the academy. And that's really what you need to build the foundation on. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can, we can, um, we can do that and we can move forward as a club because it'd be good to have the good times back at Arsenal. You know, we used to joke about, we used to, we used to get annoyed when Wenger said our top four is a trophy and, and, you know, you know how hard it is to stay in the top four, but now we can't even, we can't, we're not even in the top six. We're not even in the top eight at the moment. So it's it really has been a, a sharp decline. And I know that that began at the end of the Wenger era, but it's it's gone it's, it's gone south quickly since he left. So um yeah, it's uh, not much more to say really. Uh, hopefully next season will be better. And uh, I will try and do I will try and do some more topics and some more things to do with football. I'll try and do it weekly. It's uh, something I want to do. It's something that interests me, and it's something that I can talk about for ages. And um, yeah, hopefully you guys have a good week, and uh, hopefully you enjoy listening to my voice. I know sometimes it can be a bit, <laughs> a little bit jarring, but hopefully you've enjoyed listening. And um, yeah, if you've got any thoughts, anything like that, just let me know. Uh, you can hit me up on the hit me up. In anywhere on the socials um and uh yeah peace